Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you today? It's great to have you here, and I love to see you popping up out of your chairs. Let's stand together. There really is nothing worth the excitement that we should have for our Lord. You know when you think about it? Actually, it's kind of funny. Today is Super Bowl Sunday, and okay, don't worry. It's going to pass, right? So, but you know, the Lord is amazing forever. So he is so good. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. Let's bow our heads and our hearts and set our hearts and minds upon him. Lord, we do choose this moment in time to focus upon you, your indwelling Holy Spirit, the precious gift of Jesus, the finished work on the cross, Lord. There's so much, so much beyond what we even understand that you have done in our lives, Lord God. How you hold all things together by your very word. You sustain us, Lord. You've given us a breath this morning to come and wake and come here and sing with praise to you, Lord. To fellowship among this brother and sister group here that you've brought together, your body, Lord God. We just thank you. Lord God, we just ask in this time as we celebrate that you would just inhabit our praises as your word says. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes of our hearts, Lord, centered upon you and you alone as the King of kings and Lord of lords. God, we ask that you would reveal more truth to us today as we study your holy word. Show us more of you, Father, Son, and Spirit. You are amazing, Lord. We want to celebrate you and you alone. God, we ask for an anointing upon Pastor Frank, Lord, and those that are teaching our little ones, Lord, and and serving in so many ways here, God, our little ones in the nursery. All around this place, Lord, you've called us to be your hands and feet. We choose to serve you and to give you honor, praise, and glory. We do ask for an empowering by your spirit today to share your gospel with boldness. With your truth, we go forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is power in his finished work in the blood of the Lamb on the cross. From your burden of sin There's power in the blood Power in the blood If you are evil A victory win There's wonderful power In the blood There is power Power Wonder In the blood Of the land There is power
And if our God is with us, oh yeah. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what can stand Welcome to Living Word Community Church. We have a bunch of announcements for you guys today. We're on, I think. Okay. I don't have the full screen. Is that because of me? Can you guys see that? Okay. Sorry. Um, this today after church we have the women's ministry bake offering. So thank you to everyone who supported the women's ministry today by bringing baked goods. So stop by the Rock Center after service and buy something yummy and bring it home. Um, Extraordinary Moms will be meeting today at 12.15 p.m. in the parent-child room. 
Um, this ministry is for single moms who are abiding in Jesus, and they pray together, encourage each other, and help each other out. It's not easy being a single mom. Um, our youth group is having a Super Bowl party tonight at 6.15 p.m. Invite your friends, guys. Um, there'll be yummy food, prizes, giveaways. I have so many memories of being in our youth group here years back, and there's a few of us who are still left. <laughs> Kim, Derek, but um, the youth group has just expanded, and Pastor Lou is such a blessing to these Amen. kids. Um, so yeah, come out and invite your friends. This week's Bible studies, we have on Monday the women's Bible study at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary. The men's Bible study will also be at 7 p.m. On Tuesday, the women's Bible study will be at 9.45 a.m. upstairs, and Friday we have our Spanish Bible study at 7 p.m in the parent-child room. Movie night will be this Friday, February 17th at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary. We are showing the movie Pilgrim's Progress. You can sign up today in the Welcome Center. Um, the men's ministry is doing something a little different. So uh, like Lenny had mentioned, they're not having their typical Friday, first and third uh, Friday of the month Bible study. But they are having their monthly gathering still on Friday, February 24th at 7 p.m. So the men meet on the fourth Friday of every month at 7 p.m. here at the church. Um, so we would like to take sign up. So please sign up if you're interested in attending this gathering. And by the way, part of the reason there's sign ups is because we're having food and we just want to make sure we have the right amount of food. Ah, I had a feeling. I wasn't sure. <laughs> you guys are copying the women. Right. <laughs> if it works, do it. Right? <laughs> Oh, yes. This Tuesday at Tammy's, okay. Okay. 10.30. So Tuesday morning Bible study at Tammy's house at 10.30. Awesome. Okay, so uh, our church potluck dinner will be on Saturday, February 25th at 6 p.m. here at the church. Um, please sign up today. Uh, we need an, an idea of what you're bringing and who's coming. So you can bring a dish to represent your culture or your family's favorite dish. So an email went out um, about two weeks ago, and then a follow-up email was sent out this week. We are tentatively having uh, our summer camp from July 10th to August 4th. So there was a poll. There was actually two polls in the email, in the original email, um, to get an idea of who we have to serve, um, how many children will be attending, and if anyone's interested in making donations to the camp, that would be awesome. Um, the registration email will be coming soon, but we, we need to get an idea of how many kids we'll have, how many servants, and you know an idea of donation. So please remember to fill out the poll. We need it by today, so by end of day today. Yep. And that's it. Do we, have, do we have any guests that are visiting us? If you're a guest, can you raise your hand, please? We'd like to welcome you. Welcome. Welcome. I see one guest. First time visitors. Yay. Welcome. If you can get your hand up uh, as the usher comes over, um, they're going to give you a pack. And what is in that pack again, Rich? So there's a Connect With Us card. Please fill that out. We'd like to connect with you. I'll be the one connecting with you. <laughs> um, and you can also bring that card to the sound room window. And we'd like to give you a free Jesus DVD. So thank you. Thank okay. you. Thanks, guys. So there's a whole lot going on. Isn't that good? It's good to... Uh,
the opportunities to serve in so many ways, to gather as the koinonia, the brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's stand together and continue worshiping our Lord, our Savior. Offering, yes. Yeah, let's have the ushers come forward. Peter, like already here, amazing. He's so fast. Our offering time is part of our worship time. It really is. Um, we give our time here, and that's what the Lord has given us in his provision, and we're just offering back to him. So let's bow our heads and our hearts and ask him to bless this time. Father, we just ask that you would just take this offering, Lord. Multiply it, Lord, and continue to use it to advance your kingdom here, Lord. We just, Lord, we know that there is much work to be done. And Father, we want to keep our eyes fixed on you, put our hands to the plow, and just look forward, Lord, to that goal, that that time when we will be in your presence, Lord God. And we just pray, Father, that we can look back and see many, many, many that we've touched, Lord. And Father, we pray here as a body that you would continue to use Living Word Church to reach many, Lord. But individually, Father, as well, God, we just pray that you touch us, allow us to continue to advance your gospel, Lord, your kingdom here, Lord, until we see you, God. Multiply this, be honored in it, in Jesus' name. Pour out our praise, pour out our praise. 
All the earth will shout your praise. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing.
Michael Mon oh man. Whoa. Get it down. Michael Monocle here? No. 
Okay. We're going to go to, math, uh, to Mark 14, 32-41. Title of the message is Gethsemane. If you would stand with me for the reading of the word. And the word of our Lord. Then they came to a place which is called, which is named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it was possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spoke the same word. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And Heavenly Father, we, we come to this passage, a passage, Lord God, that we need to enter into, Lord God, on our knees, Lord God, humbly, and Lord God, with great reverence in our hearts, Lord God, this very trying time, this, this trying hour, Lord, where, Lord God, you win the victory over the enemy, and Lord God, you give us a, a, a great, Lord, demonstration and example here of how, Lord God, we can win the victory. So, Father, I pray, Lord God, open up our hearts and minds. We sit at your feet. We look into your eyes, Lord Jesus. We open our ears to your voice. Lord, speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So, we, we come to Gethsemane. Let me just, again, where we've come from. Jesus, right, the Last Supper. They're in the upper room. And um, they sing the Hallel, uh, Psalm 113 to 118. And now they leave the upper room. And essentially what, what they're doing here, if you look, the upper room would have been somewhere, this is, the temp, this is where the Temple Mount was, but the upper room would have been somewhere in this area. They would have come down, and this is the Kidron Valley, and then they would have gone up to the Mount of Olives, and that's where Gethsemane is. Now there's something interesting that is happening here. And um, during, uh, when the Temple was... Um, was there before it was destroyed in 70 AD. Essentially what you had, this is Passover week. There would have been, they did a survey, it was about 186,000 lambs that would have been sacrificed Passover week. 187,000. Okay, that's a lot of blood. So the throat is slit, put into a basin, and then poured at the base of the altar. Now what they had done was they built a conduit, a gutter, that essentially what would happen, the blood would flow down and then flow down to the Kidron Valley. My battery died, but um, it would flow down into the Kidron Valley and would basically be flowing in the Kidron Brook. So when Jesus, when he left the upper room and came down, 
cross the Kidron Valley to go to the Mount of Olives to, Mount, uh, to Gethsemane, he would have been stepping on the blood of the lambs. So here's the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world, who was about to shed his blood. He's walking upon the sacrificial blood right, of those lambs, which were a typology of him. So then he comes to Gethsemane, and Gethsemane is, a, is just a bit, today, it's just a beautiful, beautiful garden, uh, olive trees. And it's there that Jesus enters in to his passion. The beginning of the passion of Christ begins at Gethsemane. It ends on the cross when he says, it is finished into your hands, I commit my spirit. We call that the, the passion of the Christ. Everything in between his uh, false trial. Okay, Actually, there were six false trials. We'll talk about that in upcoming weeks. Uh, his beating, his mocking, uh, the crown of thorns, the, the carrying of the cross, uh, his crucifixion, uh, the six hours he's on the cross, that is all called the passion of Christ. This is where it begins. It begins in the garden. Now, uh, something where you've you got to kind of look deeply as you look at what's happening in Gethsemane, Satan is there. Right? Satan's major goal in the life of Jesus was not to put him on the cross. It was to keep him from going to the cross. So that was Satan's objective. So you will go all the way back. When Pharaoh was killing, right? He was attempting to kill all the baby boys, and all the, all the babies. Essentially, that was an attempt of genocide because he knew Messiah would come from Israel. Wipe out Israel, no Messiah. Uh, Antiochus, Epiphanes, right? The, the slaughter of a million Jews in 168 BC. Again, attempted genocide. The, uh, the attempt of the babies by Herod, if he again gets the Messiah, baby boy, kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem. Again, is an attempt to eliminate the Messiah. And you see that throughout Jesus in his ministry. His ministry begins, he goes into the synagogue in Nazareth. Right, he, he reads from Isaiah chapter 61. What happens? They, they were going to take him and throw him off the cliff. And then if you read that, that, that text, all of a sudden, Jesus just walks, right? He just walks out. It was a miracle. Why? Because it wasn't his time. It wasn't my time yet. Well, he goes up, he goes up to Jerusalem, and they're, they're plotting to kill him. They, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, they, they want to kill him. At one point, they sent the temple guard after him. And you see this in John chapter 7. And again, they were not able to kill him. Again, because it was not his time. Satan is continuously attempting to keep Jesus from going to the cross, becoming that atoning sacrifice for our sins, and opening up a doorway for many to come into salvation. He doesn't want anybody going to heaven. He wants everybody to go to hell with him. So he is trying to keep Jesus from accomplishing his mission. And here, again, he is there whispering into Jesus' ear. Right? Your will be done. Right? You do what you want to do. Right? It's, it, it's your agenda. Right? It's your game. And that's what he's doing there. So, a number of key points here. First point, the olive press. Gethsemane means olive press, okay? It was essentially, it was a, a garden, okay, of olive trees. 
and they made oil. Mark chapter 14, 32, then they came to a place which is called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Gethsemane is on the Mount of Olives. It was where Jesus and the apostles frequently went to. It was kind of a, a resting place, a place of peace, a place of, of quiet. And in Gethsemane, uh, essentially in this, again, very, very beautiful, very uh, peaceful place, okay? And you know what's interesting? We go to Israel, and we, we spend a number of days um, basically going from the Temple Mount um, to the Mount of Olives to Gethsemane, everything in between. It's a lot of walking, about five miles of walking a day, up and down, up and down some, some major hills. And um, when we're there, what was... Um, was need again? You're in the middle of this bustling city. You know, you have you have cars, you have buses, you have trucks, you have cabs. I mean, everything. Three religions, the three religions of the world. Okay, you have you have Islam, you have Judaism, you have Christianity. All again converge in that area, and in the midst of again this this noise, you go to Gethsemane. And it's amazing. It's just, you hear the birds singing, and it's peaceful. You've been there. You know. It's, it's, we go there. We worship. We do communion there. And it's just this, this incredibly peaceful place. And just right around it, again, is chaos. And I think it's a great picture of what the Lord can give us into our hearts in the midst of a chaotic world. In Gethsemane, you have, okay, you had the olive press. And what they would do is, with the olive press, you would put the olives, okay, in the center. Oh, I got it again. You would put the olives there. You see the olives right there. And then you would roll that millstone over them, and as it goes over them, it crushes the olives, okay, and you have olive oil. And if you look right to, right, boy, right there, there's a little hole there on the right, and that's where the olive oil would flow out and it would flow into a vat. So it was here, again, where the olives were crushed. And what you see, the beginning of the crushing of the Son of God. He's beginning to be crushed here, even to the point that he begins to bleed. We'll look at that in a moment. But it's where he, again, he, he begins to be crushed and it's where he, again... It is the beginning of the release of his blood. It is the beginning of the release of his spirit into the world. And that release, again, is this, is this precious olive oil. The precious blood of the Lord. And the precious spirit of the Lord. So oil, oil is a metaphor in scripture for what? For who? For the Holy Spirit. So when it, when it talks about in 1 John chapter 2.20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Okay, again, the, the, the anointing, again, is, is, is a, it is a, essentially a, a picture and a metaphor of the Holy Spirit. Right? He is the oil. He is the one who comes and he anoints us. Okay, so here again, Jesus is beginning to be crushed. And what's going to happen here is going to be the release. Just as the olive oil is released from the olives, so the Spirit is going to be released into the world. So in John chapter 7, 37 through 39, 
important verse. It says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture is said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. Watch. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What you have in the Old Testament, the Spirit is given at times for empowerment, but you don't have until Jesus was glorified, until he died on the cross, was raised from the dead, and then he was able to pour his Spirit into the lives, into our lives, into us. Again, something that is unique compared to the Old Testament covenant, that, um, again, he had to be crushed for the oil of the Spirit to be released into our life. That is, again, that is the, the oil of salvation, the oil of justification, the oil of sanctification, the oil of peace, the oil of eternal life. It is the, the oil of truth, the oil of power that is being released here. The beginning. Second, you have the inner circle. Okay? So in verse 32-34, then they came to the place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here and pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. So this is called his, his inner circle, okay? Uh, it was, I mean, it was his clique, you know, some people are like, well, you know, the church, there's, there's cliques. Yeah, they're, they're groups of friends. I think a lot of people who complain about cliques in the church are usually people who haven't made any friends in the church and they want to be a part of a clique. You know, I mean, really, it's, it's... Jesus had favorites. Peter, James, and John. He had a much deeper intimate relationship with those three than he did with the other nine. They're with him on the Mount of Transfiguration when he's glorified. He takes them into the inner room when he raises Jairus' daughter, right, from the dead. Grabs that little girl's hand, Talitha Kumi, and he raises her from the dead. So here they are. This is his inner circle. He, he wanted them close to him in this time of trial, but they had a problem. They kept falling asleep. And, um, right, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. So look at what it, what it, it says. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says, he says here, be careful that you don't enter into temptation. Isokomia, the word means be careful because if you enter into it, you're going to engage with it. You're going to connect with it. It's essentially, it's going, to get, it's going to get inside you. It's going to land in your flesh, in your affections. That's what temptation does, right? Temptation, right, it starts off light, but then when you, when you give it that entry point, right, it, it, it has a power over you and it erupts. It erupts into sin. So what do we do? We're supposed to resist it. When, when, you, when you are confronted with that temptation, I don't know what your weaknesses are. I know very well what mine are. And I'll tell you, boy, I have to be careful because when, when the enemy is there getting in my face, right, hey, there's a time where you got to move away or you will end up, you will end up just falling in. I mean, the, the, right, the things, I don't, again, I know my weaknesses. And so when the enemy is tempting, okay, you need, you need to resist. 
So Jesus here, he says, watch with me. Stay awake. Be aware. Satan's on the prowl. Right? You, you need to be alert. He's trying to draw you. He's trying to bait you. Right? You know, that's spiritual warfare. The victory goes to the vigilant. The victory doesn't go to sleepers. Right? Who sleepwalk into, into, right, into, right into the enemy's temptation and deception. It, it doesn't go to lazy people. The victory goes to people who keep their eyes open and are alert. You think about Gideon's 300. Right? You ever wonder, right? God says, right, you select 300 out of 10,000. Select the ones who, when they drink, when they drink, they have their heads up. The ones who lap like dogs, eliminate. It's 9,700. You're going to select the ones who drink with their heads up. What does that mean? That's what a warrior does. A warrior is always alert. He's always aware. He's aware of what's coming at him. He's aware of the temptations of the enemy. And that's what Jesus is saying. Watch. Watch. When you watch, you will find it flows into prayer. When you're on the watch as a warrior of the Lord, you will find that you will become sensitive and alert to when the enemy's attacks are coming at you so that you don't fall into them. So be alert. So the Lord says here, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So they, they, their spirits, essentially their inner, the inner person, their, their souls, their mind, their emotions... Peter, James, and John, they were willing to stay awake. They were, they were willing to watch. Right? Peter said, I, I will never desert you. And, and all the others basically said the same thing. So he, he says here, the spirit is willing, but the flesh, the body, the body is weak. They're tired. They've been up all night. They just, they just ate a big meal. You know, when you eat a big meal and you fill your belly with a lot of food, you get, you get tired, right? Thanksgiving dinner, everybody falls asleep. But here, they lack the physical strength. They, they lack the energy to be able, again, to be able to resist, to be able to be in spiritual warfare during this battle. So I just want to say they lack strength, and, and it's not the strength of big muscles, Okay, you ever see, I've seen people with, you know, big muscles who are moral midgets, right? They're, they're, they're just moral weaklings, spiritual weaklings. And that's, that's not what it's talking about. The, 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 the strength that Jesus is talking about here, right, the strength for the flesh is that physical strength and ability to endure, to persevere, to persist, to resist, and, and not to grow weary, to be able to, to do what's right. And they lack that. They lack that. So, you know, they all deserted him, denied him. 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul says this. He, he was a person, I think, who really understood. He's a, he's a person who understood spiritual strength and physical strength. Paul's amazing. He says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have pre preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You know what he's saying? I make my body do what I want it to do and my body doesn't make me do what it wants me to do because the body can be extremely lazy. Have you ever noticed that? 
It can be extremely lazy. It, I mean, it could be very apathetic. The body could become an incredible dictator that subjects the inner person to its appetites. And that, that could be, look, appetites for food, for comfort, for sex, for alcohol, for drugs. How many people you see destroying themselves with those things? Because their body is their dictator instead of the inner person, instead of their mind, instead of their spirit. So the, the, the apostles, their spirits are willing, their bodies are weak. And their body is ruling their minds. By the way, you see in the book of Acts, that changed. That changed. With the coming of the Spirit, with, the, with the, really the cooperation, with the, for the most part, that, that completely changed. So what you see, in, in, uh, coming back to Mark, it happened three times, right? The third time. So Jesus went to them and said, you know, are you sleeping? You know, the, the flesh is weak. The, you know, the, the, the spirit is willing. And he did it again and did it again three times. And they weren't getting it. Okay, number three, sorrow. So in verse 32 through 34 of Mark 14, then they came to the place which is named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be deeply troubled and deeply distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. So he, he goes a little bit further away, and this is something, this is a, a characteristic of Jesus where, yeah, he wanted their companionship, but there's a time for seclusion. There, there's a time to be alone with the Father, a, a time of, of private time, especially in this, this time of temptation, a time to be alone with God. I'll tell you, for every hour I preach, I would say 20, 25 hours go into solitude with the Lord. Just being alone with God. I'll preach here for 45, 50 minutes today. I'll tell you, at least 20, 25 hours goes in to, to that preparation. And then again, a lesson I've, I've, I've learned from Jesus. So here's, here he is again, and he's deeply distressed and grieved. Now I want to share something with you. Jesus didn't die from the nails that were put in his hands. Jesus didn't die from the crown of thorns that was placed on his head. Jesus didn't die from the lashing that he received on his back. And he didn't, he didn't die from asphyxiation, which is the normal way a person dies on the cross. In, in fact, he died very quickly. So quickly that the leaders and, and, and the Roman soldiers and Pilate were shocked. So what did they have to do to the two thieves? They had to break their legs. And when they broke their legs, they no longer could push up from that little piece of wood that was you know, be, you know, below their feet. And they basically suffocated. They died by asphyxiation. Jesus did not die from asphyxiation. What did he die from? Well, tell you, he died from a, a, a broken heart. When, when the spear went into his side, blood and water gushed out okay, of his torso. His heart erupted. His heart, his heart erupted. And, and essentially what he did was he died from the agony of what he was bearing, not from the, merely the physical pain or the physical torture. And ultimately he, he, when he said, 
it is finished, right? Into your hands I commit my spirit. That's why he gave it up. But I believe when, when that happened, that's when his heart, his heart exploded and he died physically. In the garden, under such duress, such intensity, he begins to sweat blood. Matthew 26, uh, 26, 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Medical term, hematodrosis. Hematodrosis, look it up, Google it in the medical journals. Under great duress, the blood vessels will dilate, they get bigger, and usually there will be a breaking of blood vessels in the person's forehead and in their head, and that's what Jesus is experiencing. The blood vessels at the surface of the skin become so dilated that they rupture through the skin, and again, this is where he begins to pour out his blood. Now look at his prayer. In verse 35 and 36 of Mark 14, he went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from him, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Abba, Hebrew for daddy. Deep word of intimacy. It says in Romans chapter 8 that the spirit of God within us will cry out, Abba, Father. And that's somebody coming into, again, that, that wonderful intimate relationship with him. Now, I want to just say this to you. I do not believe that Jesus is asking here. He is not asking that he would basically escape from this, this great act of redemption. He, he's not asking that he's going to, uh, Father, I, I want to avoid the redemptive act. I think what he's asking here, he's asking if there is another way of accomplishing it. If, is there another way, right? And he basically said three times, is there another way to accomplish? I don't believe he's, he's, not, he's not here fearing the cross. I don't, I don't believe he's here fearing the whipping or the mocking or the crown of thorns. What, what, is, what is the concern here? Right, look, look at the text. It is the cup, right? What is in the cup? Right, so Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath, right? Shall I not drink the cup of which my father has given me? He knew, right, that he was going to drink the cup. But here is this, this terrifying, horrible cup that is filled with the wrath of God. It's, it's the wrath of God against sin. It's all the punishment of sin and hell. So they, as great as the physical suffering is, there's a greater suffering. When Jesus was on the cross, right, at, at noon, darkness comes over, right, the earth. It comes over the whole earth. What is that, you know, what is that symbolic of? I believe what it is symbolic of is that the Father turned his back and forsook the Son. The Father abandoned him. So Jesus cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know the pain that we experience being separated from someone we love? Separated from a, a, a spouse, separated from a child. Well, I, I believe what you have here is, this is the eternal son who has been in perfect harmony with the eternal father, right, forever, 
They share this perfect love, this perfect harmony, this perfect relationship, a closeness we cannot possibly imagine, I believe nor ever will. And now he is facing separation. The son is going to be separated from the father. It's a cup of terror, a cup of horror. He's going to be forsaken. He's going to be left behind. He's going to be abandoned. He's going to experience hell so that all those who put their faith in him and receive him would never have to experience hell. And I think that is, again, what when Jesus, that's, that is the, the prayer here. I mean, if there was another way, there is no other way. And then he just simply says, not my will, but yours be done. Now watch, watch just two other things before I close. Strength, uh, strength from above, for above, strength from above. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And the word there for strengthening is to invigorate, to empower. The angel appeared to him to empower his body, his soul, his spirit. And I think that here was an angel that, that had to be a very important angel. Right? An angel that was likely very familiar with Jesus, and Jesus was very familiar with him. He had to be a very powerful angel, and he was given this great assignment in ministry to go and to minister to the Son of God at this very critical time. So Jesus went to the cross alone. But the angel wasn't there with him on the cross. He, he didn't have any help on the cross. But here, the angel comes and strengthens him. So, you look at um, when Jesus was tempted, the three temptations, uh, and then it says, then the devil left him, and behold, Angels came and ministered to him. We see that picture there, that he was apparently familiar. Their angels had come, and they strengthened him and ministered to him after he underwent the three temptations of Satan in the desert. In Matthew chapter 18.10, it's a beautiful passage. It says, That you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Who are the little ones? Oh, Nellie, God bless you. Nellie went. Yeah, most people think the little ones are the kids in the nursery. Or, or, or the little ones are the kids up in the Sunday school. We are the little ones. God, God has assigned angels to us. So that it's not just the little ones in the nursery. Freddie, it's you. You're not a little one. Big Rich, who's doing security. I think Rich is the tallest guy in the church, right? It's, it's, it's adults. It's, it's, you know, everybody older, younger, Nelly, who have an angel who's watching over you. And God has given us angels. They're ministering spirits that have been there to minister to us in, in, in times right, of challenge, in times of difficulty. Look at, look at here, great passage. In Acts chapter 27, 30, uh, 23 through 24, Paul's on a boat that's getting, I mean, it's getting rocked. It's in the Mediterranean Sea. The storms have been ripping it. They're worried that it's going to be run aground. They're worried about they're going to drown. And it says, he says this, For there stood by me this night an angel of the, of the, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. 
you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. So here, here's the situation, right? They think they're going to drown. The angel appears and speaks to Paul and strengthens him, and he says to him, Paul, you're not drowning, nor are all the men on the boat with you going to drown because I've got something for you to do, right? God has something for you to do. You've got to get to Rome. And what a, what a beautiful word, right, of, of, of hope and expectation to raise up your faith. And here's an angel again speaking right to his heart. All right, last, last point today, power. So in Mark chapter 14, 32, uh, I'm going to read, I'm sorry, I'm going to go up to verse 42. Rise, let us be going, see my betrayer is at hand. So he went into Gethsemane, fell on his knees and on his face before the Father in weakness, and he came out on his feet in strength, strong, bold, powerful, and ready to stand before his enemies and fulfill his mission. Now watch just something, something here that follows. We're gonna, again, we'll look at this more next week, but watch this. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. And Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let those go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke, of those whom you gave me I have lost none. Now, if you look at the word there, it says detachment of troops. I am not a Greek scholar, but I'll tell you this. That is one horrible translation. A, a detachment is about 40 to 48 soldiers. The Greek word is a, a spira, and it's basically a cohort. And a cohort in the Roman legions was 480 soldiers. So they came with the priests, the Sadducees, the scribes, the Pharisees, Judas, and 400 trained soldiers. These are not Roman soldiers. These are the temple guard. So they are trained warriors. And they've got lanterns and torches and weapons. And you know what they expect? Understand, torches. And we know that, that Passover, full moon, a lot of light at night. They think he's going to be hiding in the ground. They think he's going to run away and hide in the bushes. Remember when they found Saddam Hussein? Where was he? He was in a hole. Right? It was the uh, special forces found him. He's hiding in a hole. That's what they expected. They expected Jesus to be hiding somewhere. Right? They, uh, they come. And he just stepped out. <laughs> he's like, he stepped right out. And whom are you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. And they all fell down on their faces. And by the way, there are churches that teach this is the slaying in the spirit. Right? You know when they tap you on the head and you fall over? You know, just... This isn't the slaying in the spirit. This is right now him KOing his enemies. 
He just, they, these were his enemies. They've come to kill him. They've come to take him to the cross. It's, I mean, to take, take that text and use it as a proof text to prove that, you know, that, that doctrine is, is just ludicrous. So he again, whom are you seeking? Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. Right? I just want to say this. Jesus is roaring like the lion of Judah in this moment. He is roaring like the lion of Judah. Have you ever heard him roar in your life? He's an untamed lion. So, our final notes. People ask me, what is the most important verse in the Bible? What do you think? What? Say it out loud. Genesis 1.1. Well, God created the heavens and the earth, but Genesis 1.1, we're, we're, we're still all going to hell. <laughs> but people say John 3.16. I believe this is the most, to me, and this is personal, to me this is the most important verse in the Bible. Not my will, but yours be done. If that doesn't happen, we all going to hell. And that is his surrender. So when I come to Gethsemane, I, I see, I see the, again, two key aspects of Jesus. I see the lion and I see the lamb. Jesus said in John chapter 17, 3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And again, there, it is so vital that we would know him in our hearts, but to know him as the Lion of Judah and as the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. Do you know him? Do you know him as the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world? Have you come to know him as the one who took your place on the cross? that he took those three nails into his hands and feet. Have you come to know him? That he, he did that for you. In fact, I, I believe if you were the only person on earth, he still would have come and he would have died on the cross for you, to redeem you, to bring you into eternal life in heaven. But do you know him? Do you know him as the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb who took your place upon the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago? And do you know him as the Lion of Judah? Mighty, powerful, King of kings, Lord of lords, who could just speak the word and the demons would flee from him. Angels fall at his feet and worship him. And he just speaks a word and his enemies fall back on their butts. Do you know him? as the Lamb of God and as the Lion of Judah. You can open your heart to him today and let him in. I don't know about you, but I pray every day I need to know a lot more of Jesus. More of Jesus, less of me. Amen? Let's have the worship team come up. Uh, stand with me.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Gethsemane. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the battle that you fought, Lord God, that night. And that we thank you, Lord God, that you won the victory there over temptation and over the enemy. And Lord, you, you left that garden as bold as a lion with your eyes fixed on Golgotha. And you went there. And for six hours, Lord God, you suffered and you died and you paid the price for our sins that we, Lord God, could have the gift of eternal life and we could today be standing before you with our hearts filled with an assurance of thy salvation. I pray, Lord God, a blessing upon all. I pray for those who don't know you that they would open their hearts to know you. I pray for those who know you that there would be a hunger within them to know more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, the altars are open if you'd like to come forward. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, the altars are open. Please take advantage of this time. I'm going to pray lower with somebody.
Thank you, Lord, for your holy word this morning, Lord, and allowing us to see into your heart, Lord God, to see Jesus' suffering, Lord, to see that pain, the passion, the willingness, Lord, the surrender, the humility, Father God. It's beyond what we could truly understand, Lord. But we are so grateful to you, Lord Jesus, for your willingness to come and show us the Father, to show us what the Father is like, as you said, Lord. And to allow yourself to be separated from him. Again, not truly what we understand is so far beyond what we could ever comprehend, Lord. But we know when we sense an emptiness, Lord, and a distance from you. And Father, I just ask in this moment in time, if there's anyone here who does not know you, Lord, they may come to know you. Brothers and sisters, surrender your heart. Let his will be done, not yours. And his will is that you be saved. That you come into a, a relationship beyond any relationship you have here. An indwelling Holy Spirit, a precious gift, a promise to you. Open your heart to him now. Just say, Lord, just come into my heart. Forgive me for the sin in my life, Lord. I turn from that to you and ask that you cover me in the precious blood of the Lamb. In your finished work on the cross, Father, we just ask that you bless us as we go beyond these walls. We spend time with our friends, our families, Lord, at work, wherever we may be, Lord. Let us truly be light. Let us be salt here. Lord, let us shine your light and your love. And let us love one another as you've called us to, that others may see your great work in our lives too, Lord. And as always, may you be honored in all we do and say. We pray this in Jesus' name.